All right, let's get into the Word today. If you brought your Bible, go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. In seeking the Lord about taking this next step in our church and what we were supposed to do, you know, we don't just talk about things on a Sunday morning, things that are good to hear, and things that are beneficial for our lives, and of course they are that. But the things that we talk about in this church on a Sunday morning, whether you're in this place with us right now or watching online, these things are critical to where we are in the life of this church. These things we have to hear because they set an expectation. They create an atmosphere. And you've heard us say it before, but we're going to have some things in this church. We are going to have salvation in this place. We are going to have healing in this place. We are going to have signs and wonders and miracles in this place. But to have any of it, first you have to preach it. For there to be faith to receive any of it, you have to preach it. How can they believe if they haven't heard, is what the Bible says. You can't. Because believing is just a response to what you've heard. If you've heard the good word, the gospel of salvation, now you have a choice to respond. Do I believe it or do I not? And faith is the response that says, I believe that. Jesus, you telling me Jesus died for me? You telling me that I I have something, I have life in him? You telling me I can be born again? Okay, I believe that. Well, that's a response. And we're going to have that in this church, but we got to preach it first. We will have signs and wonders and miracles in this church, but not if we don't preach it. This is not going to happen until it's preached so that faith to receive it can come. And I believe that the Lord talked to us. It was 10 weeks in a row about a house undivided because that's what he wants in this church. An atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere that is completely free of all strife, of all division, of all offense. It doesn't have any of that stuff and it's full of sweet fellowship. It is full of forgiveness that flows freely. It is full of the peace of God because we are peace loving people, amen. And you know, there's so much more that I believe we could say along those lines about a house undivided. I was looking at some more of it this week, but I just got a sense in my heart that that was where we needed to leave off for now. You know, you never get done with these things. We did not say everything there was to say about it. And I know that we'll come back to it. As a matter of fact, I've sensed somewhere along the way in that series that what the Lord was doing was setting the tone for how we're going to approach ministry to family. And there will be times in this church, and you mark my words, we are going to set aside time, maybe days, maybe a week at a time, where we do nothing but invest in our marriages, invest in our families. We spend day in, day out looking at what the Word says and how the Word teaches us to keep it together, to stay together. I like that. Keep it together. You need to look at somebody and say, keep it together. That's what He's trying to do for us. He's trying to help us keep it together. So... I believe we came to a good uh, stopping place with that. And and as I sought the Lord about it, I believe he was encouraging me along another line today. And this is going to make good sense to you here in a moment. But in the book of Acts chapter 4, well, we'll look at that in just a second. But you do realize that our father and our enemy, both to a certain degree have a similar um, aim and goal for our lives. 
both your father God and your enemy the devil want to put their words in your mouth. Both of them. God wants his words in your heart coming out of your mouth. Well, Satan wants the same thing. He wants his thoughts, his ideas, his words coming out of your mouth all the time. Because both of them know how much power there is in agreement. In other words, whatever you come into agreement with has the power to come to pass in your life. That's why Satan wants his words coming out of your mouth all the time. Doubt coming out of your mouth. Fear coming out of your mouth all the time. Worry, unbelief, panic. He wants it coming out of your mouth because when you come into agreement with the fear, now the fear can go to work. But your father, your good and gracious and kind and merciful heavenly father with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning wants his words coming out of your mouth because the way Satan's words connect you to death, God's words connect you to life. God's words connect you to healing. God's words connect you to abundance in every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body. He wants his words coming out of your mouth. So I want to start this with something today. I'm going to put some of God's words in your mouth. Some of the most important words you could ever have coming out of your mouth. Some of the most important words that could ever cross your lips. I want you starting this service today saying this. Are you ready? Say this after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You just put his words in your mouth. Those words came from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that told us he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Jesus went to the cross, but not for something he did wrong, not for some mistake he made, not for some sin he committed. Jesus went to the cross because of your sin and mine. He knew no sin. That's why he had to be made sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. So that we could be made, what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You didn't know any righteousness. You didn't do any righteousness. Just the same way Jesus didn't know or do sin, but was made sin. You didn't know or do righteousness, but still he made you righteous. So say it again. I am am the righteousness of God God. in Christ Jesus. And when that happened in you, when that happened for you, it redefined you. And I know I'm amongst people today, you're comfortable with that. You're confident with those words. But do you realize that much of the body of Christ, if you were to try to lead them in that confession, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh man, they would fight you on it. There is a religious spirit that does not like that. What are you talking about? You right? Nobody's righteous. Jesus is the only one who's righteous. You're nothing but an old sinner saved by grace. Listen to me. You can't be both. Either you are a sinner or you've been saved by the grace of God, but you cannot be both. When you were saved by grace through faith, he made you something you weren't a few minutes before. And what you were not was the righteousness of God. But what you were made was right in his eyes. Righteousness. Again, it's one of those Bible words, one of those church words that I am not afraid of. I'm going to use it 
I'm going to preach it. I'm going to believe it. I'm not going to try to couch it in some other relevant word that helps it make sense to somebody. Did, did somebody have to do that for you? Hmm? Did somebody have to do that for you? Or when you heard the gospel, did the Holy Spirit go ahead and turn the light on anyway? We don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of that word. It's his word. It just simply means right standing with God. Now, you did not have that. We did not have that. We could not stand in the presence of God. Somebody else had to go in for us. Somebody else had to represent us to him and him to us because of the sin. We were at arm's length. We were at a distance from him. But because of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross in his death and his burial and his resurrection, he has made us righteous. In other words, he's given us right standing with God. Or I'd say it to you like this. You have a right to stand with God. That's what it is. Righteousness. It's a right to stand with God. Now, as Americans, we're all about our rights. And you're hearing more and more and more about it these days. I got a right to this. I got a right to that. And people will fight for their rights. Well, this above any right that you have as an American citizen is the most precious, the most valuable right that you've ever been given because it's a right that was given to you by God Almighty. And he has invited you into his presence and given you a right to stand there. Because of Jesus, we have right standing. We have a right to stand with God. And that redefines our lives. And even though I think this particular group of people, us, having fed on some of the same things, I know what you're listening to, I know what, you're, what you believe, you know what I believe, we're not, we're not alien to that concept and still I don't think we know what we need to know about it. I don't think until it has completely revolutionized and changed every single thought and action you have that you fully understand what it means to be made right in the eyes of God. That truth alone, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no greater difference between one who is right and one who's not. But again, it's like we talked about last week. It's not me being right in your eyes. It's not me proving myself and proving my point and making sure that you think what I think and that you bow your knee to my opinion. Me making me right in your eyes. That's not what righteousness is. Righteousness is being right in the sight of God. Does that make sense to you? It's being right in the sight of God. And you have to decide what's more important, me being right in somebody else's eyes or me being right in the eyes of God. And what we're seeing in our nation right now are these these groups, these these groups that have these ideological beliefs and, and they're centered around the ideology. And it's not about the person. It's about the group, the group think. And that group takes upon itself the mission and the assignment to make everybody else in the world say they're right. Yeah. And you got to be dangerous. or th- That's dangerous and you got to be careful about it. Because what you're saying is, it's more important to me that I'm right in your eyes than in the eyes of God. And there's nothing more important. I said there's nothing more important than being right in the sight of God. 
And that's true, not just because it rhymes. Isn't that good? Um, You're in Acts 4, but let me put something on the screen for you. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. As righteous people, our lives are supposed to look and be different in every imaginable way. Like I said, there is no greater difference between one who's been made righteous and one who's not. This is the difference between us and them. And I realize it is not politically correct to talk in terms of us and them. But the greatest difference that could possibly exist between two people is not skin color, it's not gender, it's not nationality, it's not socioeconomic status. The greatest difference that could exist between two people is one whose spirit is alive unto God and one who's not. And when you talk in those terms, there is very much an us and a them. And if we try to bow and bend our knee to political and cultural correctness, we'll lose that. But we're not supposed to lose that. Now, it's not us against them. Come on, are you hearing me right now? That's not what I'm talking about. But you need to realize that as a born-again believer, you have a different identity. You're different. I just feel so different. You are. You are very different. Embrace it. <laughs> Love it. Because holiness and righteousness, by its very definition, does not blend in. It means set apart. And one of the big things I want to talk about today that defines us as righteous people, put this on the screen for us, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Look at this. The wicked flee. What's the word flee mean? Run away. The wicked run away when no one pursues. No one's chasing them. And yet they're running. What is that? It is an irrational fear. I want you listening today, okay? Online, listen to me. It is an irrational fear. But that's what fear is. That's what fear is. This this verse says the wicked flee. They run away when nobody's pursuing them. Either they've imagined it or they've magnified something small to the point where they believe it's way bigger than it is and they are running from it. But us, put that back up there for us, Proverbs 28, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the, the who? The who? Somebody say, that's me. me. This verse is talking about you. The righteous. See, here's the difference. You got the wicked. You got the righteous. You got them. You've got us. You've got their response. You've got ours. The righteous, though, in contrast to the wicked, are what? Bold as a lion. This is us. One of the big things that should define us because of the way righteousness redefined us is our boldness, our boldness. That's what I want to talk to you about today is our boldness. May I be so bold today as to talk to you about our boldness? In Acts chapter 4, this is a powerful passage of Scripture, and you really have to kind of take it with everything that had happened before it, chapter 3, chapter 2. 
You know, of course, in chapter 2, we've already made reference to it today, the Spirit of God came with the sound of a rushing mighty wind and filled that upper room. And, and you remember from studying this, even from the time you were a kid, that tongues of fire sat upon each one of them. And they came out of that upper room speaking in other tongues. And like we said earlier, people thought they were drunk. Other people thought they were speaking in their own language. But the Spirit of God did that. And then you see in chapter 3, with this newfound power that they're now walking in, Peter and John had gone to the temple and there was a lame man that had been laid there every day, every day. He'd been lame from his mother's womb and every day they laid him right here at this temple to beg alms for the people that are going by, the people that are going in. That's one thing to notice that when somebody has a burden and a yoke like this on their life, Satan's ultimate goal is to never keep it just one thing. It wasn't just about the, the physical burden and yoke. Right. Notice what it had become. Somebody else had to go get him and pick him up and take him there. Now his burden and a yoke is now their burden right. and yoke. But not only is it physical, not only is it relational, right. but what else is it? Financial. He's sitting there begging alms. See, this is Satan's ultimate goal is to install a burden and a yoke in your life to where it spills over into every area of your life. But this particular day, Peter and John were walking in and this guy looked up and he's begging alms of them. And you remember what Peter said. He said, silver and gold have I none. I left my wallet at home today. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. He said, I've got something. And as of chapter two, somebody help me. What did Peter have? It was the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't have it the days before that, but he got it that day. And he's carrying it with him this day. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he reached out and took that man by the hand and pulled him up. And the Bible says, immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately. His feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. And you can imagine, I mean, here's a guy, we find out in in Acts chapter 4 and 5 later, he's 40 years old. And everybody knows this man. They know his his predicament. They know the, the kind of shape he's in. And all of a sudden, this man that's been laying here day after day after day is walking and leaping and praising God. It got a crowd around them. And Peter took that as an opportunity to start preaching to these people. And he preached to them and he preached and he preached and he preached. And the Bible told us that the day that they got hit with the Spirit of God, thousands were added to the church. Thousands were added to the church. Now, hidden in some of what I want to talk to you about today are some keys to explosive church growth. Now, when you look around and there's 23 of us in here this morning. Anybody interested in some explosive church growth? Now, you can approach it one way. You know, you can, you know we've, we've had the doors open for a while. This is on down the road, right? And, and we, the Lord's added to us and added to us, and that's great. That's fine. But we've got, we've got precedent from Scripture where thousands of people were added in a day. That's explosive growth, right? And the first key to that growth was in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God was there. Now, 
I'm not going to tell you that I've read all the books on church growth. I'm not going to tell you that I've done all that study, but I have been around church and I've been around ministry long enough to have heard things and picked up things and you hear from other leaders in the church and you hear from people who have large ministries and here's the keys to growth and here is the process and the implementation of the procedures. And I'm not knocking any of that, but one of the things that seems to be missing, it is conspicuous for its absence when you read some of these things is you don't often hear enough about you want growth? You need the Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit if you want this kind of growth. If it's not just about a number to you, but if it's about exceeding in power, if it's about exceeding in manifestations of the presence of God, you have to have the Holy Spirit. Well, this guy gets his miracle, and it really upset uh, a bunch of the religious people. And that's why in chapter 4, let's just begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they had taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. This is not the good kind of laying on. This is a completely different laying on of hands. They laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 people. This is explosive church growth. You're going to see what what brought the, the next few thousand to church. Verse 5, it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? This was not the right question because Peter replied, notice this, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, This is a detail that you cannot leave out of this. This is not just Peter talking. This is not just Peter piping. This is Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It makes a difference. What comes out of your mouth? This is not Peter filled with Peter. It was Peter filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Now, you could take the same lines, you could take the same sentences, the same words, and you could have somebody recite them over here, and you could have somebody say the same thing over here. But if this guy's full of himself, it's coming out one way without power. But if this one's over here is full of the Holy Spirit, it's coming out, and those words are going to do something. You hear me? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, He's going to make these guys regret they even asked. (laughs) Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people, elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I like this part, who you crucified. Who you crucified. Now let me get out of here ahead of myself for just a minute. Is this bold? 
Now, now, now think about it. Is it bold to look into the eyes of the people who just put Jesus on a cross? You know what they're capable of. You know what they do when a little too much dust gets kicked up and they're a little uncomfortable with the message that's coming out. You know what they do with people. They, you, you know good and well, they will either have you killed or put you on the cross themselves. Right. Is this boldness? Yes. To look them in the eye and say, you want to know the name? You want to know the power? And what did he say? Jesus. Jesus. Now he said it full of the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. I gotta wonder, does anybody realize the same thing about you? Does anybody realize about me that I've been with Jesus? Now these guys, when they saw the boldness, now let me help you with something real quick. The word boldness literally means when you look it up, unreservedness of speech. It has to do with two things, what's coming out of your mouth and how it's coming out of your mouth. The word itself literally means freedom, no restraint, unreservedness of speech. And can you not see that in Peter's words? This brother is not holding back even a little bit. He's not hemming. He's not hawing. He's not uh, 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 searching for words. He was ready with an answer. Why? Full of the Spirit. Jesus had told these disciples, don't be afraid when you get hauled before these people because the Spirit of God in that day, I'll paraphrase, will put words in your mouth and you'll know what to say. And here it comes with boldness. Here it comes with confidence. And they saw that. They saw the boldness of Peter. They saw the boldness of John. And the Bible says they realized they were untrained men. In other words, their confidence did not come from their education. They were not heavily reliant upon all their book smarts, all their knowledge and education. They they looked at these guys and said, this boldness is coming from somewhere else. And it was the same thing they noticed about Jesus. He speaks different. He speaks as one with authority. Everybody else wondered about Jesus. They're like, he doesn't talk like the scribes. How did those guys talk? Well, those guys talked about this one's opinion, which was based on this one's theory, which was based on this one's experience, and it was based on this, but we don't really know. It could mean this. It could mean that. And here comes Jesus, and all of a sudden, here comes somebody talking with a level of authority they've never heard before, they've never seen before. And he, Jesus would show up and say, my father said. 
Jesus would show up and talk directly to the sickness, directly to the blind eyes, directly to the lame legs. Jesus would talk to a dead person. It didn't matter why, because of his place of authority. And he would talk with boldness. He would stand at the tomb of a dead man named Lazarus and say, Lazarus, get out here. Where do you get that kind of boldness? Where's that come from? It's not from education. I'm not knocking education. But I'm talking to you about a boldness that comes yes. from somewhere else. Yes. Am I a little preachy today? I feel a little yes. preachy right now. <laughs> when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were untrained, uneducated men, they marveled. They realized they'd been with Jesus. Seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What are we going to do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. They can't deny it. That was the source of their confusion. We don't know what to do about this because it's not like we can go out there and say it didn't happen. Yes. Everybody saw it. Yes. This was big. Yes. We can't deny it. But verse 17, notice what they said. But so that it spreads no further, so that it spreads no further, they said, among the people. What's happening here? They're trying to stop the spread. You hear me? It's a futile attempt to stop the spread. They all got together in this meeting and they recognized this thing is growing explosively. It's spreading and it's spreading fast. And I'm sure there was one guy that said, I've brought for your, uh, for your educational experience today this graph. It seems that when Jesus was first on the earth, the, the, there was a small group that followed him, 12 or so. But then it, if you follow the graph, it began to grow. And there were times where it spiked and it began to grow even more. Uh, and, and right around here, we see where a lot of people left him and it fell off again. And if you'll notice this place on the graph, not long ago, there was about 120 of them or so. A small group, manageable group. But just a few days ago, we're not exactly sure what happened. But if you'll notice on the graph, the curve went really high. And all of a sudden, just a few days ago, 2,000 were added. And then because of this miracle, Three more thousand were added, and what was 120 a few days ago is now 5,000. And one guy says, We gotta flatten that curve. <laughs> wow. We gotta stop this spread. We, get, we, we gotta flatten this curve. And I want you to notice what they, the plan they came up with to stop the spread and flatten the curve. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no one. Now on they speak to no man in this name. What's the plan to stop the spread? What's the plan to flatten the curve? Shut them up. I'm sure one guy was like, is there something we can put over their mouths? 
I don't know, like, is it like a, a, a mask or a something that we can, something that we could keep them from talking so much. See that you speak to no one in this name. They called them, verse 18, commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is, are you ready for this? Right in the sight of God. What is that? That's righteous. He said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What's Peter saying? He's saying, um, I'd rather be right in the sight of God. And I've seen some stuff. I've heard some things. I was there. I was there when he healed the sick. I was there when he preached the word. I was there when you put him on a cross. And I was there when God raised him up. I've seen some stuff. I've heard some stuff. And I can't shut up about it. I won't shut up about it. The truth is, if you are a witness, if you've seen and if you've heard, and you choose to shut up, you choose to live like you haven't seen, you choose to live like you haven't heard because of somebody else's threatening, there's no difference between that and a liar. A truth teller, a witness, is somebody who has seen, somebody who has heard. But if your life is lived in a way like you haven't seen or heard, you're lying about it. You're lying about it. Why would, why would these guys shut up? Well, you know, they're threatening them. And like we've already said, you know what they're capable of. You know they will put your body on a cross and not think twice about it. And this threat came from them. A threat always has to do with losing something. If you don't stop this, I'll take away that. Right? right? And it could range from anything. If you don't stop saying this, we'll take your property. If you don't stop doing that, we'll take your money. If you don't stop doing that, we're going to take your freedom. If you don't stop doing that, we're going to take your life. But a threat always has to do with somebody leveraging their position and power, trying to get you to believe that if you don't stop, you're going to lose something, be it anything, your property, your money, your freedom, your life. The threat is that you're going to lose something. And Peter says, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you or, or to God, you judge. He says, we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding, I love this, no way of punishing them. That is so often what is behind a threat. It's empty. The person or the people or the place doing the threatening is most often threatening because they don't actually have the power to make good on it. That's Satan's whole thing. You got to remember, he's been stripped. He's been brought to naught. He had all his power taken away from him. So what does he have left? Threatening, threatening, 
threatening, threatening, but with no way to actually punish. They couldn't find a way to punish him because of the people. Since they all glorified God for what had been done, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions. King James says they went to their own company. You gotta have your own company. You gotta have people in your life because the world you're called out into, have you noticed this, does not think like you, does not believe like you, doesn't pray, doesn't praise, doesn't worship, doesn't give. The world that you and I are called out into to affect could not be any more different than we are. That's why you got to have your own company. That's why you got to have your own companions, the people who do believe the way you believe, the people who do think and preach and talk and walk and praise and worship and give just like you. You got to have a place. You got to have a base camp that you can go back to, right? That you go to a place and you get filled up and you get strengthened and you get fed and you get encouraged. Why? Because you're about to have to turn right back around and go back out there and you don't want to go unarmed. You don't want to go without strength and without ability. So you've got to come back to your own people. Come back to your own companions. And that above all else is what stirs me up about this church. Man, I can see it. I can see people from all around come into church on a Sunday and the world has just beat them over the head for six days in a row. And they come into this place needing a fill up, needing some strength. And they step into this atmosphere of faith and love and they breathe it in. And all of a sudden eyes come open and heart gets enlarged and and faith gets in them. And they think, you know what? I am not defeated. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And they get filled up for a couple hours in this place and they turn right back around and they go out into that world they've called that they're called into and they can affect change. Why? Because they had a place to come where some people believed like they did to their own company. And that's where they went back to their own company. They reported to them all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant, David have said, why did the nations rage? Man, are we seeing that right now? Why did the nations rage? The nations of the world are on full-on freak-out mode right now. What's the next line? Why'd they rage? Why'd the people plot vain things? What's vain mean? Doesn't do anything. It's not actually working. These guys' plan to stop the spread and flatten the curve, did it work? Help me out. Did it work? Or did the church just keep growing? Did the church keep growing? They tried to shut them up. They tried to put something over their mouths to keep them from talking. They tried to, man, we got to flatten this curve. We got to stop this spread. But David, seeing these things, standing in the office of the prophet, said, why did the nations rage? Why do the people plot vain things? 
The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now verse 29, look at this. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness the righteous are the wicked run when nobody's chasing them. The wicked run from something that doesn't even exist. I'm trying to be subtle about this today, but I don't know if I'm doing a very good job or not. But the righteous, what's the difference? We're bold. Bold as a lion. I'll never forget the day Sarah and I had taken justice with us on an international trip. We were in South Africa. He was two years old. And we were preaching over there a lot. We had an off day and some of our hosts took us to a lion sanctuary. Maybe I've told you this story before. But in most of our zoos here in the United States, we're the ones walking around. The animals are in the cage. Over there, you can go where you're in the cage and the animals are the ones walking around you. And they put us in this cage that was in the back of a truck. And we go driving through this sanctuary. It's acreage, tons of land. And you drive up on these lions that are either out there sleeping or doing their thing, whatever. Justice was little. And our guide turned around and said, just, just keep a hand on him. We were in a cage, you know. We thought we were safe. We just have such a mindset in America. Surely this has been tested. Surely this is approved by some insurance agency somewhere. I don't think it's like that everywhere else in the world. But we were in the back of that truck in that cage. And we drive up and there's these lions. Now you get the picture of a lion in your, in your mind, this bold, this fierce lion, this fearless lion, and everybody gets that same picture, right? That male lion with the big mane and the roar and the teeth. But do you want to know what creature is even more fearless and a better hunter than the male lion? The female lion. And we drove up on a few lady lions laying there. And our, our driver, our guide said, just kind of keep a hand on him. They like to pick out the little ones. They find, they find who's weak. And right about that time, this mama lion turns and looks at us and locks her eyes on him. Am I telling the truth? And this thing just came walking towards us with that slow prowl. And we're just standing there in that cage and she jumps up her, both her paws on the cage, just staring justice down. Biggest cat paws you've ever seen in your life. And you know, you're dealing with a lot of emotions right then. And I'm thinking, I will open up a can of David on this lion right now. You leave my little boy alone. But I didn't even have to say anything. Little two-year-old justice. What did he say? I rebuke you, power of God. What was it? Rebuke you, power of God, I think it was. Yeah, oh, the power of God or something, our little two-year-old. It was a great, great moment in our lives, but I will never forget the look in that lion's eye, laser-focused right there. And we've been trained to be afraid of that, but really, in reality, that's more of who we are as believers and as righteous, bold as lions. And I, notice, I want you to notice what they prayed. Father, 
Oh, God, look on their threats. Now, there's a lot of prayers that start like that. Lord, look at what our government's trying to do. Look on their threats. Look at what they've said. Look at what they, they, they said they would do to us. But usually the rest of the prayer goes like this. Send fire down on them, Lord. Just take them out. Whatever you got to do, just get rid of them. There are a lot of people that would pray that way over their enemy. Lord, get them out of the way. And I was thinking about this and realizing how so much of the time, too often, our prayer has to do with God doing something so that we don't have to be bold. So that something gets out of our way so that it's easier for us. But what was their prayer? Look on their threats and grant us boldness. Give us unreservedness of speech. Now that's kind of a, that's a risky prayer. Because they just said, if you don't shut up, we're going to take it from you. Which could have meant anything. Up, up to and including their lives. And what they asked for? More boldness. Listen to their threats. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now I want you to notice what's connected to the bold preaching of the word. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders and miracles may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's what's connected to the bold preaching of the word. You want to know another key to explosive church growth? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, for some reason, that is not included in most of the plans I've heard out there. In most of the church growth strategy teaching resources, they don't start with have some signs, have some wonders, have some miracles, and watch what happens. I guess what I'm saying to you is there's a lot of ways to get more people in here, but then there's God's way. Amen. And I believe what He's done for us just in the few months that we've been meeting together is He is establishing some of our keys to explosive church growth. One of them was be nice to people. Be kind to people. What we're seeing here in this today is be full of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to grow without this. You're not going to bring the people that are assigned here without being full of the Holy Spirit. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know what He's going to do? He's going to confirm that with signs and wonders and miracles. Grant us boldness. Back in 20, 2015, yeah, about summer of 2015, for the several years leading up to that, Sarah and I started the ministry in 2010. And you know, we just celebrated 10 years in this ministry last week. And several years into it, she and I both got it into our hearts real strong. We were supposed to have a television ministry. The Lord began dealing with that, about that, stepping out into it. Well, it, we, we didn't, our, our staff was small, 
Nobody really on our team had experience at all with what it took to do that. She and I had been in front of a camera some, but it's a completely different thing being behind one. And it only takes one or two to stand out there in front of one, but it takes a team of people behind them to make it work. And we really didn't have any experience with that. But we, we said, okay, Lord, we'll, you know, we'll do that. We'll press towards that. We'll believe for that. And then in 2015, about the summer of that year, Sarah and I were away on vacation, and I got a call from my grandfather, Kenneth Copeland. He called, and he told me, and we knew that this was coming, this news. He said, we're starting this network. They were starting a, a television network where they were going to put uh, teachers and preachers, the word of faith on there. And they invited us to have a program on that network. Only one problem. We didn't have a program. And we thought, okay, well, you know what? We've we got to do it. we got to do it. And I got, we got home from that trip. I called the ministry and said, I think Papa wants us to have a program when you guys go on in a couple of months. And they said, no, it's just when you're ready. Okay, so when we're ready, we can put a program on. Well, that was July, August of 15. September went by, no program. The, the network launched in September, I believe. October went by, we still don't have a program. November, December went by. January, I believe. And we still don't have one. We know we're supposed to, right? We know, yeah, that's in our future. We got a word from God, we're going to do that. And finally one day, I, I, I don't know how... The Lord got a hold of me, but he did. And he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I told you this was coming. And then when the opportunity, somebody say opportunity. When the opportunity got there, you weren't ready. And I think at that time when he talked to me about it, seven months had gone by. And still we had no program. And I just came to this this wake up call. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. And this is how the Lord had talked to me about it for me to wake up to it. He said, do you realize that seven months of opportunity have gone by? And if you just had a weekly program, four weeks a year over seven months, you're talking about nearly 30 opportunities to preach the word to people all over the world. That's 30 opportunities for people to be born again. That's weeks and weeks and weeks, 30 weeks of opportunities for people to be healed, for people to hear the word on abundance, for people to hear the word on restoration and joy and peace and living by faith and walking by faith and receiving his grace. That's nearly 30 weeks of opportunity gone by. That's nearly 30 weeks of you giving opportunity for people to hear the vision of the ministry and partner with what you're doing. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? Right. Opportunity. And after that, we came into the office and we met with the staff. And the Lord was real clear to us. And we said, guys, it's time for us to light a fire. And that, I believe, was about February of 2016. And we launched our broadcast in April of that year. Because we just went after it. Because we stopped playing around with it. And we stopped letting opportunity to go by. Yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yes, we were learning on the fly. We were learning on the run. It was baptism by fire, but we were going for it. We were stepping out by faith. And I'm telling you, if you wait for every single little thing to be in its place and for the exact right time, so to speak, and for it to be just right and just, you will never do anything. 
And that same sense has been coming up in my heart about this church. We've been here a year. And like I told you earlier, I thought October 2019, surely that's enough time to get this building remodeled and sanctuary open. Okay, well, maybe I was wrong about that. And we began to see more clearly the amount of work it would take. Well, then we ran into issues with the contractors and they couldn't get the permits from the, from the county. And that took months and months and months. And we'll just, just wait it out, just be patient. And finally we got those and got this ball rolling again. And then COVID hits and well, you know, there's restrictions. There's restrictions on everything and you, can, you can't have any people. Well, now you can have a few and then I think at one point, I could be wrong about this, they said, okay, church can reopen to 50% capacity, but no more than 50 people. It's like, what do you think church is? And you know, I, I sense in my heart that we've been patient, we've been accommodating and compliant. But what I'm asking for at this point is not for the Lord to look on the threats, the threats that have said, we'll shut you down, the threats that have said, we'll take you to jail. And people have been threatened. Right here in this county, people in places around our country, you've seen it on the news as well as I have. These are threatenings. They're threatenings. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, there's no power in it. There's no power in it. And we have a choice. Are we going to listen to the threat and bow our knee to it? Or are we going to be right in the sight of God? I want to be right in the sight of God. And I feel like we've come to the place where we have been honorable to the point where we should be. But it's time. It's time to get this place open. Because every week that goes by that these doors are not open, that's opportunity. That's people that aren't being born again. That's people that aren't hearing the word of God. That's people that aren't being saved and healed and delivered and finding out that they can prosper in every area of their lives, spirit, soul, and body. Now, throughout 2,000 years since the beginning of this church, since these days, it's always taken courage to start a place. It's always taken faith to start a place. But I believe what you and I are seeing in this country right now, and people have experienced it around the world far more than we have. And we've been blessed with some pretty wonderful religious liberties and freedoms in this country. But you know and I do, it's under threat. It's under attack. And I think in this country, for the first time since it was started, we're starting to see these same days. We got to stop this spread we got to flatten this curve. And I think there are a lot of people that feel like they're trying to stop the spread of a disease and flatten the curve of a virus. But can I be bold and say something? Yes. They're running from something that's not even there. Yeah. I'm not going to. Amen. I'm not going. We are not going to. No. And we will not shut up and we will not be shut up. That's right. Amen. I'm telling you, the mask is coming off. And I mean that in, in, a, in a spiritual sense where I, we will not be shut up and shut down because of something that's not there. 
something that's been magnified and that the nations are raging about and they plot and they plot and they plot to fix and can't. I'm not running from it anymore. I'm not letting one more opportunity to go by. So this is what I got in my heart this weekend about it. We get this lot done, we get these doors open. Now, if that means we meet in here for a little while, so be it. And if you're watching online, we, you know, we'll keep you updated, but it's a matter of weeks now. It will not be much longer at all. And we've been saying that by faith for a while, and I'm telling you, it's coming to pass. We will do what we can. We'll have sanitizer out if you believe that's effective for you. If you would like to wear a mask to church, wear it. I saw one in the grocery store yesterday that said, by his stripes, I am healed. Decorate it. What are they called? Bedazzle that thing if you want to. Uh, we'll make them available to you. We'll do our best to create a little bit of separation here. But I ain't running from it. And if this room is full, then this room is full. You are your own person. You have your own faith. I am not, nor is this government the one who's been assigned to protect your life. This government is assigned to protect our rights, and my assignment is to preach the word. Now, I'm not trying to be dishonorable, and I'm not trying to sow a seed of dishonor, and we will comply to the point where we can, and to the point where we believe it is still right in the sight of God. But beyond that, I will not bow. When that lot's done, those doors are open. You hear me? That's what we're going to do. Now forever, it's taken, bold, or it's taken courage to start a church. Today, it takes boldness. It takes boldness. What if they take away your 501c3 nonprofit status? Have it. Have it. You're not my source. You, you, you're not the one who does anything for me. Have it. This, this ministry, this church has never been about fundraising or built upon any, any scheme or gimmick or manipulation. It's been built upon one thing. Get the vision from him, give the vision to them, and let them respond to it. That's it. That's it. You cannot take anything from me. And I will tell you, that is why we've got to be bold and aggressive about getting this place finished and getting it paid for. Because I will not live under the heavy burden of debt. I will not. I believe we did the right thing in getting into this place. It took a step of faith to do it. And I'm telling you, be bold, be aggressive about the payoff of this place. Be bold and aggressive about paying off whatever in your life needs to be paid off because we are coming to the place where nobody can take anything from us. Nobody. You hear me? All right, well then stand up. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is going to take some boldness. Keys to our explosive growth. Signs, wonders, miracles, speaking by the Spirit, and speaking boldness. Do you realize how, how attractive boldness is to people? Because it stands out. It stands out in a, in a culture where you live under the threat all the time. We'll cancel you if you say this again. Do your best. But I've seen too much. I've heard too much. And I will not shut up. 
I cannot be shut up. I will not be shut up. And you can take nothing from me. Nothing of any value, nothing of any importance. And glory to God, we'll continue to pray for our leadership. But our prayer to the Lord is, Father, look on their threats and give us boldness. Can you pray that with me today? Just bow your head. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Worship the Lord for a moment. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Lord, you know as well as we do the day and the time that we're living in. But more than that, Father, we know the assignment that we have on our lives and on this place. This is a platform from which we reach the nations. And it's time for this place to be open. It's time for this place to be full of people. So we ask you, Father, to look on the extenuating circumstances around us and what's been said and, and, and even the threats, Lord, that have come from places of power and position. And Father, we ask that you grant us boldness. Boldness to press forward and not to draw back. Boldness to preach what we believe is the truth. Boldness to preach your word. Boldness to believe for signs and wonders and miracles. We ask you for it, Lord. Put your words in our mouth, Lord, and we will not hold back. We will not shut up but with an unreservedness of speech, we will boldly proclaim the gospel. And we believe that we will see signs and wonders and miracles. And because of it, this place will grow. Yes. This place will grow, says the Lord. My hand is on it, and I'm even right now drawing people to it from the north, the south, the east, and the west. From every direction around you, I will draw people to this place because this is my place, says the Lord. And you are my people. And your growth is important to me. And never forget that I am your God and I am the God of increase. It's my will that you come up and up and up up and up and to never go back or back and back and back or down and down and down but to increase more and more and more and I am quickly bringing you to a place corporately in this church individually in your life and as a family I'm bringing you to a place that you will never go back from again it will be your new starting place and from that place you'll go up and you'll go up and you'll go up Oh, your increase is on my mind, says the Lord, adding people to this place. But it's not just the numbers. It's not just the growth uh, numerically. It's the growth that they encounter and experience in their own hearts, in their lives, in their families. My hand is on it. My hand is on it. Don't be afraid. My hand is on it. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm for you. Did I not call you to come stand boldly before my throne? Well, if you can stand with boldness before me, what is a government official? If you can stand boldly in my presence, who and what is a defeated foe? If you can stand boldly by my own invitation into my presence, what and who is is anyone that could successfully stand against you. No one can stand against you for one reason, says the Lord. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm on your side. 
Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord praise for that. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Now say it out loud. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. We are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. And we are bold as lions. We don't run from something that doesn't exist. We run towards the future. We run towards the plan. And we run with the vision. The heavenly calling. The assignment from on high. This is God's place. We are God's people. He is for us and not against us. And we are bold. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.